Hello, everybody out there. This is Anthony, a.k.a. FPL Dimmer, with my colleague Jamie, a.k.a. FPL Cantona 7. Good afternoon, Jamie. How are you? Yeah, g'day, Dimmer. I'm going good. I'm going good. I'm looking forward to um, recording this session. It's been a long time coming, I think, so I'm pumped. Yeah, no, it has. I mean, you know, we'll obviously share a little bit about our uh, fantasy histories, but um, yeah, Jamie, I guess maybe just just fill in the listeners about how this uh, podcast came about and why we're so uh, passionate about fantasy Premier League. So we're two good mates who have known each other probably for about 10 years, and uh, we always had a common interest in playing fantasy, and um, we're always big on playing, you know, in head-to-head competitions, you know. So it got a bit competitive, you know, among mates. You know, they're always between probably 15 and 20 of us every season. Um, And then last year we decided to take it to the next step and um, go classic for the first time. Um, So that's when we started to pay, you know, paying attention more to to the game, you know, trying to get an overall score, um, getting involved in the FPL uh, Twitter community as well. so, yeah, it's been, that, a real, been a real sort of whirlwind, the whole FPL Twitter community. It's amazing how many people want to talk about fantasy and want to want to share their squads and their lineups and things like that. But, um, you know, but if I can just go back a little bit for when you said we've been friends for about 10 years and fantasy was one of our sort of common traits. Let's be honest, if there wasn't fantasy, we probably wouldn't be mates, would we? Or... Oh, probably not. <laughs> it gave us something to talk to at the start, you know. You, ah, you I'm sure we would. So. Yeah, nah, look, as I said, I'm sure it would be, obviously. But, yeah, nah, it's been nice to be able to share a friendship. And, yeah, part of that is obviously the Fantasy Premier League. So, look, that's probably a little, a real good segue for you to maybe just, maybe just give us a bit of a fantasy history out there. So, you know, you said you've been playing it for about 10 or so years. But, yeah, if you could just uh, provide the viewers with just a bit of of your Fantasy Premier League history. Yeah, so, um, basically, the whole time I've been involved in head-to-head leagues, never took an interest in overall scores um, or playing the classic way. Um, so based on that, I, you know, for, for example, my best finish uh, would have been a long time ago now. Uh, I came 18K, um, which I was pretty happy with when I look back on the scores. Um, and then last year, uh, I finished 35K. So not, you know, aiming for 10K last year, I got 35. It was a, it was a you know, tricky season with everything that happened, but it was enjoyable. And and what about yourself, Dima? Yeah, I mean, you know, to finish where you did last year's, you know, with all the trying circumstances, COVID, sort of the games getting cancelled, etc. That's a that's a very good achievement. Um look my my fantasy history, similar, I was a traditional head to head player. Um, I did win a fantasy competition uh, in uh, Australia many years ago, but there's only about 40,000 people in it, so I can't really brag too much about it. But that was about 2004. Um, you know, other than that, I've, I've uh, my highest finish is about 2,000, but in that season I used my triple captain on a single game week player because I wanted to win my uh, head-to-head match for that particular game. So, look... You know, if it was a whole different time, may have finished higher. But, yeah, I think overall two top 15K finishes and uh, last season finished 54,000. So made a little bit of a comeback towards the end after having a pretty lean patch. And selling Son at game week 30 probably didn't help trying to free up money. 
So, um, but yeah, other than that, let's move on to the, our first thoughts for the new season. Um, what were your first thoughts when, you know, uh, the prices came out, a few uh, transfers had from team to team? Yeah, it seemed like there was a busy off-season. A lot was happening. Um, to be honest, at the start, I was happy just to take a break, you know, from thinking about FPL. Um, I think the last three weeks of last season, you know, it was just grueling. Um, but, you know, looking at the new season immediately, um, you know, I went, I went back to, okay, you know, can we play this season how we played last season? Um, you know, do we go big at the back? Okay, if we do that. What's the impact on the team? Um, you know, if you want to get three premium players, so do you go for the two premiums or do you go for the three? Uh, and if you go for the three, do you thin out the rest of your squad? Um, so those are the first things, you know, that popped out in my mind. But, you know, but the big one, I think, like everyone, was uh, looking at Haaland. You know, what a player. You know, to come to the Premier League in such a good team, I think it was just, enticing to, to jump on him straight away. So I think most people would have had him first in their team along with Salah. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the very similar first thoughts to myself. I guess, you know, the I guess the three for me were that if you have a look on FPL Twitter, everyone seems to be going big at the back, whether it's a four four two or a 5-3-2 or whatever it may be. Um, big at the back is... Definitely back after last season when we saw players like Trent, uh, Reese James, uh, Robbo, uh, Cancelo. So, you know, it seems to have made a little bit of a comeback this year. Let's see how that uh, pans out over the over the first few weeks anyway. The other one for me was, yeah, there's finally more than two or three premiums in this competition. Usually, you know, you're looking at Salah and maybe one other, but now... You know, you've obviously got Haaland who's joined. Son is now a premium after last season's efforts. So, you know, it kind of takes me back to the days when I first started doing Fantasy Premier League when I was trying to pick my premiums between Thierry Henry, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lampard, Drogba and uh, Steven Gerrard. So, yeah, it's... Um, it has it got that fun. feel, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. So, which is good because what you want to have is you only can really have two max three, which means that you have to risk not having two of them, which is always going to be really hard to watch someone like, let's say hypothetically that I don't have Son in my team. And it's going to be hard to watch Spurs because I'm going to be wanting Son to not perform, which as we know last year, he was, uh, <laughs> wasn't he that uh, second half of the year? But, um, you know, with that whole fantasy Premier League Twitter that we talk about, you know, and I guess when we look at the players' current levels of ownership, there's usually a uh, template team that usually starts off. So, you know, with that, I thought I might just run through, you know, what the current uh, template team is um, according to Fantasy Twitter. So if we just go through the two players selected in goals, uh, Mendy from Chelsea and Ward from Leicester, who's now a 4.0 option now that Schmeichel's been sold. The five at the back are Trent, Cancelo, James, Perisic and Neko Williams, who's made his move across from Liverpool uh, to Forest. Then you've got Salah, Diaz as well from Liverpool, Martinelli, Neto and Pereira, who's moved across from Manchester United. And the three up front, according to the template at the moment, are Haaland, Jesus and Greenwood from Leeds. So... 
That side there will cost 100 million. So it does use up the whole of the salary cap. And, you know, I guess, Jamie, your thoughts on, I guess, using the template as a starting point, or do you like to back yourself um, against the template? Yeah, so, I mean, when I look at that template team, my team's not too different from that. Um, I mean, you have a look at it. You've got some really good defenders there. You know, you've got the old solid defenders like your Trent Cancelo James, you know, the marauding wingbacks who just, you know, who can assist and sc- score goals and, of course, get the clean sheets. But then you've got a new player, Pedisic, who's an exciting player to come to the Premier League. You know, he, he's, he's a really good player, you know, and now he's playing in defence, um, you know, I suspect he'll get a lot of assists and goals. You've got Neko Williams, who's a 4.0 starter. Um, but then you've got, your, you know, you've got your Sala, who's a must-have. Um, you've got your Haaland, which we spoke about earlier. Um, Jesus has had a cracking pre-season, which we'll go into detail about a bit later. And then you've got some decent, you know, lower-priced midfielders in Martinelli, at six million and Neto at five point five, so I think that's an overall strong team. Um, as I said, mine's very similar. Um, so, you know, I think I think the template's on the money to start with. Yeah, and I mean, if we were to look at last year's template, you know, had players like uh, Bruno Fernandez, Salah, and a few others, and most people last year that went with the template scored somewhere between eighty and about one hundred and ten points. So. When I say went with the template, if they were three or four players off the template, they still scored really well. Uh, Bruno scored a hat-trick. Uh, Salah, I think, scored 17 points. So, you know, if you had Bruno and Salah straight away, you were pretty much already sort of halfway onto a really, really solid score. So, you know, with that in mind, I guess, you know, if there's anything that I've learned over the years, it's, you know, if you were to start with the template, where do you see maybe some other players who might perhaps fit in better than what's in the template. So, for example, uh, Perisic reminds me a little bit of Reese James. I feel like he could score one or he could score 20. He, uh, he's For me, he's just got that, I guess, that ceiling that is very high compared to, say, you know, some other players who are probably at a very similar price point, like, you know, someone like a Walker from Man City's 5.0. But... I feel like his ceiling's probably, you know, somewhere between seven to nine points because he doesn't really get forward. Although he does play for Manchester City who have got a higher rate of, or higher chance to keep a clean sheet. So then you've got to ask yourself, well, Perisic probably won't keep as many clean sheets as someone like a Walker, but his ceiling is through the roof because he gets so far forward, he can score goals, he can obviously put in the crosses to Son and Kane and to these types. So... Yeah, it's going to be very, very uh, interesting chat we're going to have later. Towards the end of this podcast, we are going to talk about our sides for the first um, game week. So let's see whether or not he's in one side, both sides, or he fails to make our sides for the time being. Um, moving on to the uh, dilemmas, I guess, that you know, you've had over the break. You know, We've been sitting here now for nine to ten weeks where we've had time to stew over what were the things that we did well last year last season what are the things that we want to no longer do anymore but you know for you over the break Jamie what were the I guess the key points for you that you know you weren't sure whether you were going to go with A or B yeah so I mean how I set my team up 
uh, at the start was, you know, I selected the main players that you can't go without, you know, Yasala, your Trent, Cancelo, um, you know, Jesus. I, th- these were people I just couldn't go without based on, you know, the history in the Premier League and, you know, pre-season form. And then when I was just trying to fill in the other players, you know, alongside these guys, um, you know, I, I had some I had some immediate dilemmas, you know, straight up goalkeeper, you know, uh, straight away, you know, a 5.0 Chelsea keeper in Mendy, um, you know, Chelsea can keep a clean sheet, um, you know, do I go for him, you know, which was an enticing price or, you know, do I go for a, for a Ramsdale at the same price who, you know, racks up a lot of save points? Or do I try and save some money and go to a 4.5 like a Sanchez or Raya? So that was one of the first ones that, um, that, that you know, I had to think about and get my head around. Um, and then you, you, you go to the defence and, you know, do, do we go with the big at the back? You know, if you look at the, you know, how much some of these defenders cost, you know, like James at 6 million, um, you know, do we go with him even though Chelsea have, you know, you know, a, a shortage of defenders, um, or do we, you know, or do we try and save some money uh, and go for a Neko Williams uh, and put that money into the midfield? Um, and then you have some other, you know, quality defenders in, in other teams like Trippier um, and Cash, you know, who, you know, at five million um, can still give some good attacking output. Um, so these are the dilemmas I had to. Uh, get my head around at the start. Um, and then also, you know, the more you start thinking, you know, you have a look at Cancelo, who's a really quality player, not cheap. Um, do you try and save the money and go to Walker? Uh, you know, who's still a city defender, not as attacking, but can still give you the clean sheets. Uh, and then, you know, you, you do some more thinking like this game does. Uh, you know, do you go with Pedisic or do you go with Doherty? Um, and that's when you start to read some articles about, you know, how was, how was their pre-season, how, how are the injuries going because they're both coming off injuries. Um, so, you know, and the big one was Harlan and Kane as well. Which one do you go for? Yeah, so that's, uh, that's probably a good segue <laughs> for me to get onto my uh, dilemmas. Kane versus Harlan for me was probably the biggest because – I wasn't a fan of the freemium because you'd lose too much. Um, you wouldn't have a very sort of balanced squad. So I had to go Kane or Harland. I started with Harland. Then I went to Kane. Now I'm back on Harland, which is a bit of a spoiler for later on's team reveal. But, um, yeah, I just liked what he did in that game versus Liverpool in the uh, charity shield. Um, you know, most people actually got turned off by Harland's performance. But if we look at, you know, the actual stats involved, uh, he was, if we look at the uh, expected goals, it was supposed to be 1.6 for the potential game. Now, he never scored. He did have a shot that uh, ballooned off uh, the crossbar. But, you know, that was the best defence that he will be playing against all season. So I'm willing to try to ride out Kane's fixture in round one of Southampton. Hopefully Harlan can match him because I really like Harlan's fixture in round two, which is against Bournemouth at home, which, you know, Bournemouth have already come out and said, uh, the manager, Scott uh, Parker's come out and said that they're struggling down back. They've got heaps of players out injured. So I know we're talking about the first week here, but 
whenever we're selecting a player, you, we should never be selecting a player for one week. We should be selecting for a block of, you know, somewhere between four to six weeks. And I just like that if, you know, Harlan's got an extra now week with the squad to work with them, you know, he will be that finishing product that City probably lacked last year. Um, even though they're a super side, uh, that was probably the one part that they could have gotten a little bit better with. My other dilemmas was formation. You know, if someone had told me I'm going to have five at the back or even consider five at the back, uh, in the past, you know, typically I'd have three at the back. So this year, with all the value that there is down back, uh, you know, five's a possibility, four's a possibility. But if you really want to spread your money over your squad, three could even um, as well be a possibility. So that's what I've uh, tinkered with a fair bit over the last few weeks. And probably the other one for me was who's the third asset that you want to have from Liverpool? Because there's so many good players from Liverpool who score a lot of points because Liverpool not only score a lot of goals, they also keep a whole lot of clean sheets. So trying to figure out who's that third asset, because I think most people are looking at Salah and Trent. And then, you know, it it is very tough. You know, you've got someone like Robbo down back. You've got obviously Diaz now who's joined the club last January and performed extremely well. And now we've just got the recent emergence of Darwin up front. So, you know, I after speaking with a few friends about that third asset, um, it's it's spread. It is spread over those three. So, you know, whether it's or not... It's interesting. Yeah, it is. It, it, so. it, it's very interesting, that third Liverpool asset. Uh, it could be the difference in game week one. If, if someone gets a better start than the other. I, I agree. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've actually had a mate who has backed uh, Darwin up front. So he's, he's, gone, big on, he's gone big on him. He, he just feels like that if he wants to get away from the three or three or four million players who are going to play that sort of template field, he wants to set himself apart from them. Now, I didn't tell him, though, that he might fall below them all if he obviously blanks Darwin, but let's just see how that uh, works out for him. Now, Jamie, what are your thoughts on the $8 million midfielders? So I might just read them out, and maybe if you wanted to rate them in order. So obviously you've got Mount Maras, Madison, Foden, Diaz, Saka, and Kulisevsky from Spurs. Yeah, I looked hard at my side to try and fit an 8.0 midfielder in. And with the way I set up my team, um, because I'm leaning towards going big at the back, I just couldn't get there. Um, I've tried very hard, but if I have to rate him in order, based on last season, number one, I'd have to go with Saka. What a player. Everything last season went through him. Um, He was on penalties as well. He was creative, he was scoring, getting in dangerous positions. He looked lively as well, stayed fit for pretty much the whole season. He would have to be number one for me. Number two, I can't go past the city mids as well. Mares, you know, should be more nailed on now with Jesus going over to Arsenal. Um, you also have Foden as well. Uh, and, you know, with uh, Sterling as well, moving on to Chelsea, well, someone's got to start on the right wing for City. And, you know, typically that last year would have been Mares, 
But you just get the sense that Pep, you know, the Pep roulette, Pep roulette you just don't know yeah. who's going to start. You just don't know. Oh, you know, you almost feel like even if Man City only had 12 fit players, Mara still might be benched. You just don't know yeah. what Pep's going to Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, they're still appealing, but I haven't got the guts to go there, especially this early on. I'm happy to just wait and see. Um, and then Mount, Mount's a good player. Chelsea has some decent fixtures to start with. He did well for me last year. I'm a big fan of Mount. I think he'll be more instrumental in their success this season. Um, and then in five and six, Madison, depending on if he actually goes to Newcastle or not, or stay, you know, stays at Leicester. And then Kulisevsky as well, who's also a good player. But, but you know, it's, it's hard to separate him. Very hard to separate him. Do you think much differently uh, to what I've gone, Dimmer, or...? Yeah, look, similar in that while I've had both the City assets in my side in the last four weeks, I just can't trust them yet, especially at that price point of eight when you've got someone like a uh, Martinelli who's six million who looks like he'll be starting most games. He actually started 21 of Arsenal's last 24 games last season. So, you know, for me, that stat alone means, you know, I can have a $6 million midfielder who should start every every game week and they've got really good fixtures and I just couldn't I just couldn't find someone who would be two million dollars worth of the fantasy football budget worth spending that money on. So look, you could argue Saka yeah. is going to outscore Martinelli, which he probably will, especially if he's going to be taking uh, the penalties. But you know, that extra two million dollars you can spread over the side you know, down back or you might want a third striker or whatever it may be. So, look, for me, I'd rate Saka first and then probably Kulisevsky, especially in round one. They've got uh, Southampton at home and there's no uh, Richarlson because of last season when he got suspended. So, you know, Kulisevsky could be your way into being into that Spurs front three because, as we know, Kane and Son you know, $12 million and uh, 11 and a half. So, you know, yeah, if you were looking for a first asset in that first round, you know that he'll be starting him. So you know that Kulisevsky might be that way into that Spurs front three. But, you know, overall, I'm probably not going to have an $8 million midfielder to start. I'm going to have a forward that costs $8 million, which is probably no surprise as who that's going to be, but that's probably where I'm going to spend that money. Um, on my side. And something else to to talk about with the 8.0 mids was I was a bit torn as well because we know that there's going to be injuries. We know someone may get dropped. We know someone may not start the season. And I thought, okay, if I have an 8.0 player in my side, it's easy to switch between them. Um, but if you go for a 6.0 or 5.0 mid or 5.5 mid, it's hard to switch to upgrade unless you downgrade somewhere else. It costs you, you know, transfers. Um, so I was, I was caught up in that mind as well. Yeah. And probably the other thing that leads into that is this year in the Premier League, instead of three subs, there's now five. So what that means is that someone like Amares, if he starts, will he play more than 60? Because they've got a bench that's stacked full of who knows who could be on it. Could be Foden, could be Silva, could be... Could be anyone, you know, uh, Grealish. So, you know, City City have got a bench that could all start for pretty much almost every other Premier League team apart from probably Liverpool. So, you know, without knowing who's nailed on to start just yet, 
I think this for me the safe bet would be just to wait it out and spread that money over to over to other fantasy assets who I know are going to, are actually going to be nailed on to start in that first game week. Um, the next part we'll run through is, I guess, the stat of the game week. So this is something that we want to do on all of our shows. And with there being no, I guess, data in the last seven days with having any games, we thought last season we might look at the total team points for each side. So, you know, all I've done is the top six. So if I start from... Sixth, all the way up to one. Okay. Arsenal's fantasy Premier League assets last year scored a combined total of 1,691, which was roughly about 200 lower than Spurs, who were in fifth place on 1,899. Then Chelsea scored 2,021 points in total. Manchester City scored 2,263 and Liverpool, who are on top, 2,306 points between all their players in Fantasy Premier League last year. Now, for me, what that says is sticking to the better teams and sticking to the better teams' assets long-term will be a better strategy, especially when you're not sure about two players. Potentially look at the side who they're playing for because, you know, even here, Liverpool, 2,306 points compared to Arsenal's 1,691. That's a 600-plus point swing. So, and this is two sides who I'm sure a lot of us have got at least two or three from each of those sides. But if we look at the long-term outcome of that, Liverpool's points, Manchester City's points are far and away ahead of any other team. Yeah, yeah, you would... Definitely want to build your team around these five teams, uh, especially the top two in Liverpool and City. I think everyone will have three Liverpool players. The third slot could be interchangeable between three players we mentioned earlier. City, I think at least people will at least have two from City. And then you start looking at Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal. And even though Arsenal... Uh, something like 600 points in total behind Liverpool, they provide a lot of value uh, and they've made a few signings. So it actually makes things interesting now. And we know they play good football under Arteta. They've got a bigger squad now. So uh, it'll be very interesting. And it's it's amazing how, you know, Man United don't even get a shout here. Um, even though oh. Ronaldo was scoring goals and Bruno was Bruno. Um, yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, and uh, for all of uh, the listeners out there, both uh, uh, FPL, Cantona and myself both follow Manchester United. So we're both long, long-suffering supporters. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't have any Manchester United players in my team for round one because I just can't quite trust them yet. We still don't know what system they're going to play up front. You know, is it going to be Martial or is it not? So I'll be staying away from Manchester United, but... Look, I guess the one thing about Man United this year is that the fantasy Premier League uh, organisers have also realised that they aren't quite the team that they were. So someone like Rashford's dropped three million from last year down to six and a half points. Martial's a striker who 
if he's nailed, is a $7 million striker who plays for Manchester United. So there's a lot of value there. Sancho's also gone from 9.5 last year down to 7.5. So there is a fair bit of value there. So I think that if they can sort out, I guess, their um, defence as well, there's a lot of $4.5 million defenders at Man United. But... I still don't have the guts to put any of them in just yet. I think I'll just watch about a month of football and see what happens after that. And at the same time, talking about United, at those price points, I if I can see early on, the type of player I am is I'm happy to be an early mover. If, if someone passes the eye test, like a Rashford at 6.5 or Sancho at 7.5 or even Tony Martial at 7, I'd gladly jump on there. Uh, because if they can show something in those first early game weeks, uh, I think I think we could have a decent asset there. Uh, and then that's when you start to see asset prices rise. Um, and, and, you know, we love to get that early team value, especially yep. you. Yep. Well, yeah, we'll uh, talk about that a bit later. But, I mean, I think we'll find a lot of, we'll find out a lot about Manchester United in round one. They're playing Brighton at home. The last time they played Brighton, they lost 4-0. So I think we'll find out a little bit about their system and the way that they're going to play very early on in that game. So once again, though, I'll be staying away for the for the time being, but I'll be supporting as well as watching uh, some of the fantasy assets who might potentially add some value to my team going forward. Now, the next segment we'll work through is called the long ball of the week. So essentially, uh, Jamie and I will be working through you know, what's our punt of the week? What's our sort of long shot of the week and where it's going to fit into our side? So I might throw over to you first, Jamie. Yeah, so uh, my long ball in the box of the week, uh, I, I first had a look at the fixtures and something that I really liked when I had a look was Aston Villa. I was having a look at Coutinho, dare I say it, I was having a look at Watkins, uh, you know, just to try and take advantage of this first round and try and differentiate my score from the from the packs. And then when I just started building my team, I I settled on Leon Bailey in the midfield. This guy, he's done well in the Bundesliga in the past. He was an absolute beast in Football Manager 2020 uh, for Leverkusen. Uh, and... You know, he is fit, he's healthy. Uh, he came to Australia for the friendly games. He's performed, performed well in the preseason. Gerard has spoken highly about him. I think he's ready to go. And at $5 million, I just can't pass it up. So I think that this week, uh, I think he's going to score a goal this week. Okay. So, I mean, when we talk about a player that's 5.0, even if he doesn't provide a return, you haven't it's you haven't spent seven or eight or nine million. You've only spent five million, so I think it's worth a punt. I'm happy Definitely. to take that punt at five million. Uh, even even more so than having Neto on the park. Neto doesn't get a look in this game week, and we'll talk about that a bit later. All right. Well, my uh, long ball of the week uh, only came about in the last probably 48 hours after Leicester City sold Schmeichel to Nice. And then I've looked at the Leicester City goalkeepers and there's two 4.0 goalkeepers. So if you had to ask me a few weeks ago if I was going to start a, 
um, a goalkeeper in game week one that cost 4.0, I probably would have fallen off my chair. But lo and behold, I'll be starting Ward from Leicester City this week in goals. Wow. Uh, I know. So we'll see if he has a start because he's one of two goalies that uh, still remain at Leicester. Uh, the other one being uh, Iverson. So, and then there's also the risk of Leicester have just sold Schmeichel. So they'll probably look to buy a more first-team goalkeeper. But for now, Ward should hopefully play or start in the first two or three game weeks, and then maybe I'll look to reassess. Worst-case scenario, it's a 4.0 player who's going to sit on my bench. So that's my long ball of the week. They've been... got a good first opening fixture. Uh, if if he can get the clean sheet, a uh, couple of save points, yeah, you could have done well there. Well, yeah, so he might be this year's uh, foster, but let's just see. We'll see how we go. So, did you in the past twenty four hours have you had uh, Ward and uh, Iverson in your team? Be honest. No, no, because um, I really like the fixtures swapping between Brighton and Leicester, and I will go to that when we go through the team reveal. But no, I've only gone the one. How about yourself? Yeah, I had both in. I had a look at both. Uh, just to you see if I can save some money. Goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. I did it just to have a look. Just Put to your have hand a look. Eight mil. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, I woke up this morning with a bit of common sense and um, I got rid of one. So I'm back to what I was 24 hours earlier. That's that's That sounds very much like me in the last week. I reckon I've had the same team six times, but I've gone somewhere else first and then I've circled around, uh, back around to it. Uh now, I think we're going to be on the same page with this next one. Your best captain for game week one. Oh, I can't look past Salah. It has, yeah. to, be, has to be on, on Mo. Yeah. So, I'll, you know, you have a look at Kane's an option, Son's an option. You probably won't go to the Manchester City premium assets round one because of the fixture against uh, West Ham away. So... But, yeah, so for me it was Salah and he just loves playing in the first week of the season. So the last five years, so from 2017 onwards, his five scores in the last five years have been uh, 11 points, 8 points, 12 points, 20 points, and last year 17 points. So if you work that out, roughly that's about an average of about 14 to 15 points in round Speaks one, for itself. He... the last five years. And he's playing Fulham away. Fulham have looked all right moving forward, but defending against the likes of Salah and Diaz and having Trent and uh, Robbo and having Firmino around and obviously Darwin, I just feel like Fulham are going to have their hands full. And, you know, Salah usually is always involved or there and thereabouts in all their finished products. And he's also taking all their penalties. So for me, it was a very quick choice to go Salah. Um, but he's you looking know, fresh too. He he's looking fresh. He's had a nice break. He in the preseason, he's looking a lot like what he was looking like before the Afcon. Um, because straight afterwards, he looked like a different player. But he's looking fresh. We know he gets off to a good start. Uh, I think Salah is the standout option here. But you can also go with with the two from Spurs as well. 
uh, they have a kind fixture, Kane and Son. Uh, I think some people might go there, but I think the majority will be on Salah. Yeah, no, spot on. Now, who's the player that you wish you could have in your team for game week one, but just because of team balance or you just have not been able to fit them in? Have you had a think about that at all? Yeah, I have. Uh, I've tried a few times to get a couple players in. Game week, game week one, I'd love to have Son. We'd just, we'd just love to have, have him in the team. How he sets up for Spurs under Conte, uh, you know, he's very direct. He gets a lot of chances. He takes his chances. You know, he, he, he was unlucky uh, last season not to win Player of the Year. Uh, you know, he, he was a golden boot. I, I would just, I, I think, I think every year he just gets that little bit better. I think he, he's under a great coach now. Uh, he has freedom to play. Uh, Spurs have become a better team with their signings now. I'd love to have him. Uh, who do you? Who would you love to have? Well, just on Son, I guess you know if Son was taking the uh, the penalties at Spurs, he would have won the Golden Boot by six or seven goals last year. So now he still won't be on them because Kane from the spot is probably the one player in the league who you would want on the spot with probably Salah, that is. But the one player that I'd want in game week one, I just couldn't fit him in. I, I tweaked my team around. I, I was weak everywhere else. But I'd love to have uh, Kevin De Bruyne in my side. He's had yeah. really good form over the preseason yeah. Um, Man City won a game two one. He scored. He scored both goals. He's obviously the nailed midfielder in that side. I think he's probably the only one who's nailed. When you have a look at the rest, he's now got a forward up front who he's going to be supplying, and obviously Harlan. He's got a six foot five person who we can aim for. Um, and look, I do have a soft spot for Kevin De Bruyne after last year when I took a hit with about two or three rounds to go. Brought him into my side. Here we go. Him and he scored four goals. So I did have, I do have a bit of a soft spot for him. So, um, despite all that, despite all that, I still couldn't get him into this team. So I don't know what he's got to do to get into this team. Maybe he's got to score five goals in a game. So, um, but yeah, I... hard to get them all. It's just hard to get them all. Uh, and you know, De Bruyne is starting to play a bit more advanced. You know, he's such a good player. He's world-class, isn't he? Um, yeah. I, I think if you look at the uh, Premier League team of the year, I think he's made it about six six years in a row or something. So he's just, you know, you sort of know what you're getting with him, which is which is rare. You know, there are some players in fantasy, you know, who we sort of touched on who have got a very high ceiling, but sometimes, you know, similar last year to James, where he had six or seven weeks in a row where he didn't score more than two points. So, but, you know, someone like a... De Bruyne, they usually play through him. He's that link. He will, he would sit off the striker, and I'm very worried, especially round two, that I won't have him for the Man City game at home against Bournemouth. But as we said, you can't have everybody. So I'm, I'm and most to people won't have him. Yeah, exactly. Most people won't have him. But at the at the same time, I'll ask you this: What happens if Harlan looks a bit off it in game week one or game week two? Would you hesitate to to move to him, to drop Harland? I think with the premiums up front, so from the first game week, I think you've got to live with it. I think you've got to stick it out because, you know, if 
let's say hypothetically in game week one that Kane uh, scores and Harlan doesn't. Harlan's price might go down straight away because everyone's going to move over to Kane. But that means that for those that don't have any money in their salary cap, all of a sudden that if you had Harland and you want to go to Kane, you actually can't. So I just feel that I don't, I'm not a believer in wanting to use a transfer in a set week because there's been a lot of talk on Twitter that a lot of people are going to buy Kane and sell him as soon as that match is over or as soon as, you know, on the Tuesday, Wednesday of that week and move to Harland so they can get Spurs at Southampton into Man City at Bournemouth. Now, one of the issues with that is Spurs play on the Saturday. Man City play on the Monday. Kane's price could move up or down in those two days. So for all those people that are looking to go Kane to Haaland, it's a bit of a gamble because as we know, Haaland in the last few seasons, he hasn't played more than probably 25 games in the league because he's had injuries. You don't know what's going to happen with him. But uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. I won't be changing my... I guess, premium striker for at least the first three or four game weeks. Not unless there was an injury or something really sort of drastic happened. Yeah, and I, I, I'm i with you there. Uh, I haven't – I'm not banking a transfer. I had Kane in my draft for for, for maybe most of the preseason. Um, and, you know, seeing Harlan play against Liverpool, yeah, he didn't score, but – we know he scores those if he keeps getting those opportunities. And, you know, last season, every time I tried to bank a transfer, uh, someone went and got injured and I had to put fives out elsewhere. So it just never works out if you try and, you know, have a plan to do something in a specific game week because that's the beauty of this game. Something will come up and just stuff up your whole plans uh, and then you have to start again and, and do something else. So... Yeah, there's so many, so many bad injuries last year at certain times, which yeah stuffed up a few of my plans as well. And and that's where you've 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 essentially just got to roll with it because players will get injured, players will be in form, players will be out form, and the whole uh, the reality is not every player in your side will provide a return. So you know, just as long as you're picking players for three or four or five week blocks with who are, who have, who have the fixtures. Or if they're the proven assets, sailors, etc., you you should be on course for for a, a, a highish finish. All right, now we might move on to the team reveals. So we've talked a lot in the last half an hour. Now it's time to, I, I guess, put our money where our mouth is. Um, for all those out there listening, we don't know each other's teams, so let's see how similar they are. We can compare them to the uh, template, but we might start with your team, Jamie. All right, I'll go first. I have Ramsdale starting in goal. I have Trent, Cancelo, Robbo, James, and Pedisic. In the midfield, I have Salah, Martinelli, Bailey, and then up top, I've got Jesus and Haaland. Uh, on the bench, I have Ward, I have Neto, Archer, and Andreas Pereira. Captaincy's on Salah, obviously. Uh, I've decided to go for Bailey and Pedisic ahead of Neto. 
I think that Pedersic starts. I think that he uh, will play at least 60 to 70 minutes. And I think that the way that Conti drills his team, Spurs will come firing out of the block. Um, so I would love to have him for at least 60, 70 minutes against our Southampton defence. Um, so Neto's a bit stiff, uh, not to get a game. Um, and that's what I'll be running with uh, in the first game week. I'm not, I'm not planning on making a transfer in game week two. I'm hoping to roll um, so that I have a mini sort of wild card in three, depending on what's happening out there. So that's sort of what I'm going with at the start. I don't think my team will change from here unless there's an injury from left field. So I like how you say that you want to roll the transfer next week and that's what I'll, I'm planning, but the we're only one injury away from having to throw out the strategy that you've probably been working on for eight or nine weeks. Yeah. Completely out the window. So let's see what happens with that. Now, the side you've picked is very similar to mine. So we might... I might talk through mine and then we might talk about where your side and my side are slightly different. So my starting lineup will be Ward in goals, as I mentioned before, Trent, Cancelo, James, Robbo and Trippier. So I'm playing five at the back. My midfield is Salah, Martinelli and Bailey from Aston Villa. So your long ball of the week was actually got it as well. And my two up front is uh, Jesus and Haaland. Now, and then on the bench, we've got Sanchez from Brighton, who I'll talk about a bit more soon. We've got Neto, Pereira, and uh, Archer from Aston Villa. So even our benches are similar, which is quite scary. Maybe we have talked maybe far, far too much over the last sort of a month or two, but the reason I've gone the Ward-Sanchez double is the fixtures for the first seven or eight game weeks, you can pick one of Sanchez or Ward, and you've got a very favourable fixture. So, obviously, in the first round, Ward's playing at home, whereas Sanchez is playing against Manchester United away. So, Ward will start there. Round two, it'll be Sanchez, and then so on. So, I'll just have to look at those fixtures, but those two working in tandem when you look at fixtures, work really well. Now, my side's still got $1 million in the cap. So I've left that there because I don't think that there's any other value in that I don't think I can get to any other player that I really want with that extra million. So I'm I'm actually going to be keeping that million dollars in the cap and then utilising that if there's a player that does happen to get injured and then his price does fall by 0.1, then at least I know that I can do a sideways move or I can go up by 0.9 to someone else. So it does give me a bit more flexibility. Um, I like it. I like, I like how you've, give, you've given yourself that breathing room. And, and, you know, that trippier move, you know, it's a good one. And you've attacked that good fixture they've got against Forrest. Well, the other reason why I liked trippier is, you know, his fixtures in round uh, three and five are not great. So Newcastle's fixtures in rounds one and two are actually very good. So I'm looking to hopefully get a bit of a start on all the uh, Perisic owners. Yeah. But, but if he can produce the form that he did last year up until he got injured, and if he can produce the form he did in preseason, 
Um, you know, I think he he'll he'll hold himself in good stead. He's also on the set uh, pieces, so it's very rare for a right back to be on the set pieces too. But the other part of that is his fixtures in three and five aren't great, but Fulham's fixtures are very good. Now, there's a 4.5 midfielder sitting on my bench who, had he been still at Manchester, uh, had he already moved to Fulham when the prices came out, he'd be five and a half or six million, Pereira. So I'm actually probably going to start Pereira in the third and the fifth game week and bench Trippier. And I'd be more than happy to have him as my first or second sub because I know that Newcastle's fixtures, other than those two fixtures for about the first 11 or 12 weeks, are really good. So all I've got to do is find someone on my bench who I've already found who I can just put him on the bench for for two weeks. So I'm, I'm really happy with the side at the moment. Fast forward three or four days and I'll probably be spewing with half the choices I've made, which is that's the sort of the nature of the beast that is fantasy. Uh, I do have 10 that are in the template. So what that means is that, you know, not unless someone like a Trippier scores twice and gets a clean sheet or something like that, I don't expect myself to have a, a, a super high rank after round one, but I don't expect myself to have a super low rank either. And, and that's okay. If, if, if you have a team that you're happy with, especially those important players, it's okay to start the season like that you've got breathing room to make, you know, with a million dollars in the cap, you can you can make a move if someone attracts you, if they pass the eye test. Um, you know, if Trippier goes off in round one, I, I know I'll be saying to myself, oh, geez, that was the obvious one. You know, why, why didn't you have him? You know, but I took a pun on Perisic. So, um, but how, how do you feel about, about Sanchez and Brighton? Because Sanchez, in my mind, can can get some decent clean sheets. I don't always think he attracts a lot of uh, bonus points or save points. Uh, but also with Cucurella looking like he's heading to Chelsea, does that change anything for you? Or you just think Bright, Brighton are a sol- solid defensive team, you're happy to, to roll with him? Yeah, I was I was having a look at a lot of the four, 4.5 goalkeepers. Typically, I don't think I've started many seasons without a four and a half and a four um, playing in goals. Look, Ward's a four who seems like he might be playing, which is a bonus. It was, look, it was, for me, it was a toss up between Raya and Sanchez. Um, I went Sanchez purely because the fixtures with Leicester work really well. Um, I actually had Sanchez at the start of the year last year. He was, he was okay, but for four and a half million, like he doesn't have to set the world on fire. And Yes, I can go up to someone like a Ramsdale. I can go up to Mendy and these sorts. But Chelsea, with all the drama they've had over pre-season, I'm not sure about clean sheets. Although having said that, in round one, they are playing against a very undermanned uh, Everton team. So I wouldn't expect probably Everton to score, um, especially now that uh, Dominic uh, Calvert-Lewin's out. So... So they've lost their best two strikers from last year. So, look, Huge. Chelsea round one, yes. But then in round two, it's uh, Spurs versus Chelsea. And now, as we know, Spurs have got so many weapons going forward. I just thought Sanchez and Ward do provide me with that. I can swap every week and I can save the money, which I don't know whether the $1 million is actually going to come in that handy just yet. But, you know, if 
say I can go from a say there's a player at that six six to six and a half mark who's playing really well, playing in the midfield. You could go I, Neto to Rashford. Well, that's it. I can always go Neto or or even like a Bailey if uh, he doesn't perform. I can go Neto or Bailey to a, a six million dollar could be Bruno Grimerish or someone like that. So I'd. I'd rather have the flexibility because I don't think, especially in the first two rounds, I don't think I'm going to be too far behind a Ramsdale or a Mendy because I think Ramsdale and Mendy will keep one clean sheet each in those first two rounds. Now, I'd back Ward and Sanchez between them with their fixtures to do something similar. So I'd rather save the money. Yeah. Yeah, no, good point. Good points. I, I like it. All right, now... Just uh, was there anything else we wanted to run through before we maybe just wrap up and talk about next week, talk about how people can send in their uh, questions and queries to us? Yeah, so this will be a weekly thing from us. Uh, we, we tend to talk about fantasy on the phone a few times a week, so we might just condense it into one podcast. So there'll be a weekly podcast. Uh, and we would love if people wanted to interact with us. So if you had any questions uh, answered on the pod, send them through on our Twitter handles, uh, FPL Dimmer and FPL Cantona 7. So that's the number seven. Uh, send them through. We'll gladly answer them uh, next week and the weeks after. Uh, if no one sends in a question for next week, I'll just ask mum to um, to send in a question. Uh, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, I think, I think that's a good note to finish it on. Uh, any parting comments from you Dimmer? Yeah I was just going to say I guess yeah with our uh, Twitter handle so mine's just a repeat for anyone who's got any questions that they want to ask between uh, between now and the next podcast but it's uh, FPL Dimmer which is spelled uh, FPL D-I-M-M for Mary that is E-R or it's uh, FPL Cantona with the number seven on the end Um, and for those that want to join another Mini League, I don't know about you guys, I'm in about four or five myself, but our code for the Mini League is 6HM for Mary, XM for Mary, and then L on the end there. So for anyone that wants to join up with our Mini League, you'll be able to see our scores every week, see see whether or not you're beating us or not. Um, and yeah, it'll, it'll just pr- provide a bit of fun moving forward. But um, I guess lastly, what, what I'll end on is, we should all follow the advice of let's pick the team that we're happy with. We've got to remember that it's just a game and the game's supposed to be fun. So if you're losing sleep over it, like sometimes we have, the game's supposed to be fun. So make sure that whoever you put in your side, make sure that it's someone who, who you want to enjoy watching, etc. because, you know, not only does it provide a, very much a uh, talking point for when we're all out at lunches and dinners and things like that, but it, it also does provide a lot of pleasure and fun. So on that note, we will leave everyone. We'll see you next week. Uh, wishing everyone all the best in the first game week. Let's hope uh, Trippier can outperform uh, Perisic and uh, signing off. Thanks, everyone, and good luck. Let's get those green arrows.